Hello and welcome to the Geekatorium podcast number 18. Yay! I'm, I'll start with apology. Uh, I'm sorry that these haven't been getting released as regularly as they have been in the past. Um, it has been quite a busy time in the run-up to sort of the Edinburgh Fringe, which is for me, I, I'm recording this on the 24th of July, which means Edinburgh for me starts in just in a week in a week it's going to be my first time so i've been like writing my show previewing that sorting out star trek versus star wars being quite busy but um here we are we've got i managed to do a couple of podcasts and i'll get them released before edinburgh starts and then i promise that during edinburgh itself i'm going to record tons of them uh, or as many as i can i'll probably only end up recording like two or three we'll see uh, and then what will happen is i'll release them slowly over the next few months so this podcast is really exciting because right we, this is like past and present collide because uh, it's the founder uh, and creator of the original Geekatorium, Paul Gannon, who's I'm talking to this time. And we're talking, we, we had a really good chat. He's such a lovely guy and a very busy man as well. Very, very, very busy. And he's got so many great projects going on, which we talk about. He, he talks about at the very end of the podcast. So stick around and listen to what he's actually doing and make sure you follow him on the social medias and also follow this the geekatorium on all the social medias you can follow it on twitter the facebook group if you, there's a geekatorium.co.uk website with a blog post and everything gets plugged uh, and you can see the geek arc um there as well so you know give us a follow and everything like that if you've enjoyed the podcast leave a review on itunes let us know what you think of the show, um, if there's anything that you, if there's anything you think we could do better, I always appreciate that as well, you know, so let me know through social media or through the reviews, because that would be brilliant. And going to do a little bit of a self-plug, as I mentioned there at the beginning, um, I've been getting ready for the Edinburgh Fringe, and basically every comedian in, in the UK is getting ready for that as well, and there are about a million and one shows happening up there. So how do you know what to see? Well, if you're listening to my podcast, I totally recommend you should maybe come and see my shows. I'd really like to see you there. I've got two shows. Uh, I have my solo show, which is called uh, Still a Fan. It's on at one o'clock ev every day, apart from the 13th. Um, and it's uh, about, it's it's at the Rose Theatre, uh, part of Gilded Balloon. And it's a show about, it's about fandom. It's about, you know, anyone who's a real fan knows that it's not just about the trivia, the merchandise or going to conventions. It's a little bit more than that. So come and see that. It'd be amazing. Um, and then, of course, I've got my my good old stalwart, my oh, my favorite, the, the most fun I have on stage, which is my panel show, uh, Star Trek versus Star Wars. So that's Star Trek versus Star Wars. It's at the Gilded Balloon at the Wine Bar at 10.30. Most nights, I've only got 18 dates for it, so it's quite a limited run, so make sure you get your tickets for that. And it's if you don't know what it is, it's basically, I play, I'm the host, uh, it's a game show, panel show, and I have two comedians, who two different comedians every day, so it's a completely different show every day, come on, and they argue it out about which one is better, Star Trek or Star Wars. I know, right? That's like, how can anyone make that decision? Yeah. I try to make them make it, and it's it's always fun. It's always been well-reviewed. People enjoy it. Uh, people keep coming back to it. So if you haven't been to it before, I'd love to see you there. And if you haven't, and if you enjoy that, come and see my solo show as well, because I'd love to see you there. Um, and if you're in Edinburgh, give me a shout. Give me a shout, and I can definitely recommend some stuff for you to go see, because there are some amazing performers going up. Um, and it's, you know, you don't just go see the big names. Go see them, because, you know, my, my friends are awesome. So... Without further ado, let's get on with the podcast. Uh, yeah, so how are you, man? Sorry, I am you... tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an old man now. And oh. Those heady days of my youth where I could do everything in a day are long behind me. Tell me about it, isn't it? It's like, I just, I, you know what, I get to the end of the day and I just want to, I want to sleep. <laughs> that's usually what the end of the day is for though so luckily it, it, that panned out nicely yeah exactly it's amazing how they planned it like that yeah uh, I <laughs> and I, I oh my god so i told you earlier i told you over the the messages earlier i had to go to the dentist today oh no yeah that's true how yeah did that work out may i i like i don't think i've got a lot of fears in my life I like to think I'm a pretty <laughs> normal person and stuff like that. Yeah. But, like, I just turned into a child when I walked into, like, the dentist. I got, like, so terrified. Um, and they, it, was, it was a dental hygienist, so they were, like, cleaning my teeth. Now, this is where I admit, 
And now here is the, uh, the here is the the message of this podcast. Ooh. Go to the dentist. Go to the dentist often. Don't go through what I did. Right? They had to clear away years, years of buildup. Yeah, like, and it was painful. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Well, it, yeah. I will offer the opposite advice. Never go to a dentist. Ever. <laughs> never go. Never find out what's in there. Denial. <laughs> That's what I wish I had done now, is just live in denial. It would have been a lot easier. Uh, so I have this weird pain in my mouth, like in my teeth now, where I can't actually decide. Um, is it actual pain or is it psychosomatic? It's real pain. It's always going to be real pain. Accept it. <laughs> Deal what, with it. <laughs> what about you, man? What's been happening in your life? Everything's been happening in my life. Today's yeah. the first day in two and a half weeks where I've had to do nothing. Oh, and, and you decided to speak to me. Oh, I know. Aren't you lucky? I feel honoured, my friend. Lucky, but... lucky man. Um, <laughs> I've just had something like like almost 12 days in a row of close to 12-hour days. Wow. That's, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah, that's... and if it's not radio, it was digitised. If it wasn't digitised, it was editing cheap show, which I've actually still got to do, so I need to do that sometime today. The plan is I'm going to do that while the England matches aren't because apparently if I don't watch the football, then England wins something. Oh my god! I... <laughs> How have you felt about the football? I don't care. I really don't care. But my girlfriend's threatened not to have sex with me if I don't take some kind of. <laughs> I I mean I'm a Scotsman living in England. It's yeah. um it's been an experience. Um, it's not as been as bad as I expected it to be. Um, but I I don't yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's fine. It's nice that the the country's rallying behind the team. It's nice that we've gone as far as we have. It's all lovely. I just fundamentally have no interest in not only football, but all strenuous sport. <laughs> anything that involves breaking a sweat. Any, is... Anything that, just anything that involves me moving is usually, usually anti-Paul in terms of uh, uh, my belief system. It's quite interesting because um, I... Um... I sometimes do some work, uh, like games hosting in an escape room. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is a lot of fun and very geeky and very nerdy. Um, and uh, tonight, I was like, I was looking at tonight. And I'm like, am I going to have any games tonight? Turns out I've got two games tonight. So oh. those, those are two people who, like, those are two groups of people who don't care about football. But what's been really funny is, like, <laughs> I've had a lot of messages from the other games hosts going, uh, Rick, uh, if England qualify for the final, can you uh, do my <laughs> games on Sunday? And I'm like, it's because I'm Scottish, isn't it? It's because yeah. I'm Scottish and you assume that I don't know what football is. But think uh, about the lovely money you'll be making <laughs> their desire to see a football game. Well, there you go. That's it. While they're spending their money on their alcohol and possible loss, I will be uh, making dough. That's, is that, God, that's like, that sounded so nerdy. Like I tried. Well, no, I tried it's... too hard there, didn't I? No, it's fine. You're allowed to be a bit, um, a bit greedy every once in a while. It's completely fine. You're allowed to exploit the weaknesses of others. Why uh... not? <laughs> what I love is that we are doing a Geekatorium podcast, and for the first five minutes, we have spoken about football and dentistry. Boo! Um, we've done. We have really, really hit. We we know. We know our audience. That's Worst what I'm going to say. Podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, tell Hello. me. Tell me, what's your what's your geeky... When you were growing up, what was your geeky thing? Tell well, me. like most people who know me, um, and I make it abundantly clear, is that if it's not Ghostbusters, I don't want to know, yo. <laughs> wow, I thought I sounded like really no gangster there, but you, you topped me with the no gangsters. Yeah, okay, Oh, cool. yeah. I've, so that was, my, that was my big childhood uh, mm. obsession. Uh, obviously, the movie. I obviously wrote a solo show based on how that movie affected me and... yeah. All that kind of stuff. I have toys. It's weird as well because obviously, quite a poor family growing up. My mum and dad did bend over backwards to try and get me some Ghostbusters toys when they came out in eighty what five eighty six whenever it was. Yeah. Um, so I had a few bits and bobs that I still have lying around. However, I think I've got more toys now in my life. Than <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I've got, I mean, just looking around the room now, I've got my big Lego Ghostbusters firehouse. Oh my god! All I want the Echo ones. I've got. Bloody uh, this board game a fan sent to me of the real Ghostbusters board game from the eighties. Oh my god, seriously? Yeah, Milton Bradley. It's not. It's not very good, but it's, <laughs> it's Ghostbusters. Yeah, I've got a great big Ghostbusters teddy bear right there. Oh um, my god! 
yeah. clothes with logos all over it. It's like it's really kind of pathetic, actually. The, the, <laughs> the twelve-year-old me would be sick with envy. Yeah, and then when you get older, you're like, I have to do these things. I've painted myself into a corner. Now I have to fully embrace yeah. the consumerism side of being a geek. I love it. I love it. What was it about Ghostbusters? Why Ghostbusters? It's it's a weird one, actually. I would say... You know what it is? It's just the logo. The most vivid thing about Ghostbusters to me has always been that logo. Um, yeah. Because it is so iconic. And I think I saw that before I knew anything else. <laughs> I wanted to know more. And at that time in my life, I probably was into ghosts and ghouls and you know mm, spooky mm. comic books. So ghosts and things like that were always exciting to me anyway. I like being scared. I like ghostly stuff. Um, yeah. And I saw on Going Live a trailer or oh more certainly a preview. Yeah, of yeah. Uh, Ghostbusters, the scene where Bill Murray, as Venkman, gets slimed by <laughs> Onion Head. I will not yeah. be calling him Slimer for the sake and purposes of this description. Uh, so Onion Head slimes him, and I remember being completely won over, and mm. I just desperately wanted to see that film. And I think when I saw it as well, um, as a kid, I was probably more surprised by how much I fell in love with the, the language in that film, and I think that's what I've always kept with me. Dan Aykroyd has a certain type mm. of writing style, mm. Very overcomplicated at times, very descriptive, almost mm. list type comedy he does, and that always stayed with me. I like the wordplay in that film, and then of course it, it, it's just the, the the ideas in play. Um, yeah. So the fantasy and the Saturday Night Live humor, and I don't know, it just always stuck with me. I became obsessed after I saw that movie. I remember two vivid things from seeing that movie. One towards the end of the film where Ray conjures up the destroyer mm. and everyone thinks it's going to be a big <laughs> demon. Yeah. I remember crying visibly when I heard uh, the crunching sound of the big footsteps. Yeah, I yeah, my yeah. eyes. And the audience were laughing because obviously what they were seeing now was the marshmallow man. Mm. But I presume the audience was laughing at me because I was crying. Oh, so, no! Yeah. Um, and then uh, earlier in the film, um, it, it had taken us a good two, three hours to, see, to get in to see Ghostbusters because nearly every cinema... In the Wirral that was uh, showing it was packed mm. out. So when we finally got in, I was uh, three hours into the day, you know, in the yeah, evening, yeah. Even, and 18 bottles of Coca Cola, apparently. And so um, when the library ghost appears at the beginning and does the whole get her, boo, scare, mm, you know, mm. transformation, I pissed my pants. <laughs> oh, dude. So I missed the next 10 minutes of the film as my uh, auntie, who had taken me to see the film, had to yeah, kill yeah. me off. Oh my god, that's that's quite a confession to be making. Uh, I suppose you did it. In your sh you must have confessed that in your show. Yeah, yeah obviously. So, oh, so now it's like, yeah, yeah. But oh, dude, that's um, oh. <laughs> I, I just, I just want to give you a hug and say it's no, okay. It's okay. It's not. Nothing's it's, okay. It's funny though, because like uh, when you mentioned the logo being like the most one of the most iconic things, I remember seeing recently like there's this thing like of like recognizable logos from like fictional logos, yeah? yeah. And like number one is the no ghost logo from Ghostbusters. Like, and like you know, I would assume you know like I thought Star Trek like Starfleet emblem would be up there or Batman symbols, but no, it's the no ghost logo. And in second place, and this completely took me by surprise, was Average Joe's from Dodgeball. Okay, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I was like, how is, like, like Ghostbusters, I totally get, I totally get Ghostbusters. But Average Joe's uh, from Dodgeball, that's, uh, that's an interesting one. Like, how, I, 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 I can't understand <laughs> the reasoning behind, like, it was just, like, but by all means, I love Dodgeball. Uh, I think it's yeah. a hilarious movie. But, you know, it wasn't that big, was it? Did it pass me? Like, well, it wasn't as big. Yeah. I mean, like, because you got, like, Ghost... Uh, hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you see what I mean? Like it's just this is my thought process on it. I'm like, what? Like, how? If anyone, anyone listening to this can explain to me how, and explain to both of us how, uh, let us know, please. You know, do the social media thing. Let us know why is dodgeball average Joe's so recognizable? Because I don't get it. I honestly don't get it. But anyway, maybe back. it's just a personal thing. Maybe it's something to do with your childhood. Who knows? Oh, maybe we all identify with being an average Joe. <coughs> yes, that's it. We are all we are all average. That's all right. That's all right. Oh, I've got a little bit of a tickle in my throat. Sorry, oh, I do apologise. No, that's fine. Don't worry about it. So, Ghostbusters. That was your that was your thing. You you that fell in love. That was definitely with... my thing. Yeah. Uh, so you you did you see Ghostbusters? So you saw the first Ghostbusters in the cinema. Yeah, and what's oh. weird is that. I thought it was a summer film. Uh, it wasn't. It came out in December in the UK. So oh, so it's a Christmas film. Yeah. Hey. And yet Ghostbusters 2, which is set at Christmas, mm. uh, was released in the summer. 
Ah, I mean, that's them obviously deliberately messing with people. I must be. They're like, tell you what, guys, this is like, you know, let's let's do this. Let's do let's do the non-Christmas movie at Christmas, and then we'll do another one. But it's a Christmas movie, but not at Christmas. I don't. What's your opinion? Mm. Well, it's just a weird thing with scheduling. Is back in the day, if uh, a film came out in America, you'd wait two or yeah. three months before it came out in the UK, and then it would take maybe two or three years before the VHS. Yeah. So I had to fill it in my time with the books that came out, the stories, of, you know, the storybook version of the film, mm. and I would mm. read those over and over. Wow. That's what kept me going in those dark early days of yeah. my childhood. <laughs> the dark early days, the days before the internet and before. Do you remember, like, I, I, I'd remember that, like, you, a movie would come out in America and we'd have to wait forever for it to come over here. And then we'd have to wait even longer for it to come out on Sky, let alone BBC or yeah. ITV, right? But nowadays it's like, everything's like worldwide release. Except for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, because of football. Yeah, that's come out now, but it's not. they're not releasing that until August. It's insane, isn't it? Yeah, it's insane because football ruins everything. That's what football we need to take does. away. This is, yeah, this exactly. Football, ru- football and dentists ruin yeah. everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm determined to use this podcast as propaganda against football and dentistry. Um, but well, interestingly enough, though... Mm. One of the inter- one of the other things I was obsessed with was a ki- as a kid. That yeah. was even a sentence then. Almost, come on, brain, you can wake up. Come on, <laughs> um, was to fill in the gaps between cinema release and home video, yeah. or you know, TV broadcast. There was those rainbow book on tapes in the UK where you got a little cassette mm. and a twenty-four page storybook that oh, gave you yeah. pictures and sound effects and would tell you the story and you'd listen back to them. And I had loads of those growing up. Oh my they god, were my I com- favorite things. I completely forgot about them. They were they were ace. Like, yeah, it's, it's weird. Like, I think like I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is this is the danger when you get to sort of like because you're what uh, how forty you? this year. Thanks forty this year. Um, there's not a huge difference in age between us. It's about four or five years between us, yeah? It's enough. It is enough. enough. (laughs) But, like, children of the 80s, yes? Yeah. 80s. I'll give uh, you that. You get er a pass. Early 90s for me as well. Yeah. Uh, I'll take uh, very early 90s, up to about 92, 93. Um, And I don't know, maybe we're at that dangerous nostalgia age. Maybe we're turning into our, you know, we're definitely turning into our parents where we start to think things were better in our youth. But I (laughs) I genuinely don't know. I like. (sighs) It's all right, because I genuinely know that things weren't better in my youth. I know the stress of my parents went through in the 80s. I knew how tough it was. Yeah. I knew how much we had to uh, appreciate what we had. So, yeah, when people say, oh, you've ruined my childhood, I was like, nah, mate, it's all right. My childhood's not that great. (laughs) It's fine. It's not, you know, it's unremarkable Mm. is what I'm probably getting at rather than, you know, awful. It's just just what it is. So, yeah, Ghostbusters 2016 didn't ruin my childhood because, you know, my childhood had those bright spots. They're yeah. fine. They're protected by law. I've what did got you think? Those. What did you think of it? Twenty sixteen Ghostbusters. I had this chat, interestingly enough, with Imran uh, yeah. Yusuf the other day. Yeah. Because he didn't like it, and at that point, I, I think people want me to get combative, and it's like right. I, I, I don't care. I really don't, because from my point of view, hmm. Ghostbusters twenty sixteen wasn't made for me. Yeah. It was made for, for kids to enjoy who had maybe never heard of the franchise before or something new and different. And Mm. as a result, it's got a different tone, a different sense of humour. It's made differently by lieu of the fact it's now 2018. So you're never going to make a film in the same way Ivan Reitman and Dan Aykroyd made Ghostbusters. Tonally, it's different. The audiences are different. What they expect structurally from a movie is different. So Mm. it's a a different film that happens to lean on the iconography. And yeah. I said this to Imran, and he was like, oh, yeah, 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 but I didn't find it funny. And I was like, that's fine. If you didn't find it funny, I can't tell you you're wrong about that because it's yeah. a subjective medium comedy. It's a really hard thing to appeal to everyone, you know, in terms of yeah. comedy. Yeah, so yeah absolutely. I, yeah. And so my real point is that Ghostbusters 2016 had something that 84 didn't have, and which is, in my opinion, it had heart. It had this really touching story of two friends who were bullied as kids at school who um, split apart because of their differences and then yeah. were brought together via mm. ghost busting. Yeah. And, you know, form this little group. And that, that to me was really touching. And it's one of the frustrating things about 2016 is that I think there's a really good cut of that film somewhere that exists between the director's <laughs> cut, which came out on Blu-ray, yeah. and the theatrical cut, which yeah, fills yeah. in a bit more of the backstory between Aaron and Abby, the two mm. main characters played by Kristen Wiig and uh, other woman, Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> Thank you. Yep, no worries. Um, and I think that touched me a lot more. And it was something that I realized when I look back on 84. It's like 84 was 
cool. You know mm. what I mean? It's cool in that kind of sardonic, dry, witty yeah. way because you have Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis writing that. You know, you mm. do have these people with a very different taste in a very different era. Yeah. And so Ghostbusters 84 is cool and it opened my imagination and it brought me into the world of Ghostbusters and it gave me years and years of love. 2016 was like a touching story that made me realise, oh, that reminds me of me growing up as a kid and yeah. wanting to be a Ghostbuster and hanging out with my friends and doing Spirit Squad oh. and going yeah. ghost hunting at the weekend. And then it had that to it. Yeah. But the flaws people have of 2016, I, I completely agree with. I do think the plot's not that great. I think there's way too much improv when maybe the script should have been tighter and maybe trusted upon because, mm. you know, Paul Feig and Kate Dippold, who wrote it, are really good writers. Kate. Yeah, yeah. I put this to Paul Feig when I inter uh, interviewed him uh, mm. when the film came out. Uh, I said it was interesting going away from the film that I thought all the techie stuff and the gadgetry, that was Paul Feig's fascination. Yeah. Whereas all the ghosts and the haunted history and the paranormal fun stuff was Kate. And yeah. he kind of went, yeah, I think I agree with you on that because I think there's, that's why, for me, it works. It's got a nice tone. Mm. The problem is if you don't like the tone, you're not going to like it. But if you also want it to be 84, you're also not going to get that. Yeah, it's interesting because I I um I watched it um last year for the first so like in twenty seventeen when I was I, I was decorating my flat and I was like I want something on in the background while I decorate so I stuck it on so I could occasionally glance at it and I found myself not decorating my flat because I was watching it <laughs> <laughs> because it's I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed uh, the first Ghostbusters yeah but. It was enough for me to watch and be glad to say that I've watched it. I've given it a chance and I, get, I watched it. And, you know, there were some parts of it that I thought were brilliant. Uh, and I, I and I, run, I thought the actual two supporting cast members were better than the two main cast members. Yeah. Um, were given, well, not better, but they were given more standout moments, if I think. Yeah. I think. Um, uh, and I, I, I just, I didn't like, uh, Chris Hemsworth's character just really didn't do anything for me. Yeah, I, again. It's weird how that's a 50-50 split with people who love the film simply because of him. Yeah. And those who think he ruins everything. It's it's Well, it was I don't think he ruined it. I just think it was I just didn't think it was that It was too broad a character, I think. Yeah. In what yeah. was elsewhere quite a subtle movie. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, I do think that character's painted pretty broadly. Mm. And as a result, it kind of throws the tone off certain scenes. Yeah. And but this is the thing, ultimately it wasn't I don't think it was so I didn't like having, I guess like because I had that year where like I, I was reading all the backlash and all the stuff about it and stuff like that. And like I went into it with a pretty sort of open mind because I was like, you know, what, how bad could it be? And I was like, it's not that bad. It's not horrific. It's not amazing, um, but it's not horrific. And I think it's very much a movie. And like, I think what the nicest thing of it is that, as you said, it's it's Ghostbusters for a new set of fans. And you know, it's it's really heartening to see like you know younger fans getting into it, and they they're dressing up like um, Hulk yeah. and stuff like that, and they're they're getting into the whole Ghostbusters, and then they're going back and discovering the older Ghostbuster stuff, and if they like it, they like it; if they don't, they don't, and that's fine. I, I think, and I think that's I mean, that that's the that's the thing about it is that when I saw Ghostbusters eighty four, it's brand new and exciting, and I've yeah. had thirty years to percolate over that. Yeah, but if you're a five year old girl or boy who wants to see this film. Mm. And you've never seen anything like it. I can. I, I. I'd hope it would have the same effect it had on them as it had on me. Yeah. They hadn't seen anything like that. And you know, I mean, just pulling back from you know, to get a bit more kind of film criticy about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like you look at the cast, and it's four women for a start. You know, carrying a comedy film, a fantasy mm. comedy film. Yeah. Um, a big blockbuster, and it's also these aren't women who look like supermodels as well. You know, mm. they're all different ages. Uh, they're all different body shapes and styles and it's like that's novel yeah aspects. it's like when you look at like the Ghostbusters lineup and you think alright Dan Ackwood's a bit pudgy how Ramus is this and you don't think anything of it because we accept yeah. males in the role fronting a film like that but apparently mm. when you have to put women in front of the camera they've got to look good looking yeah, there's, yeah. There's, a whole, there's a whole different need for that um, for, for casting in that respect so to have four what I would say regular looking women saving the world that's quite refreshing and I'd like to think little girls watching it would see that as a positive thing 
Yeah, definitely. No, and yeah, I totally... Yeah, yeah I couldn't. But, I, I couldn't agree more, but, yeah. As I say, I mean, I personally loved it. I got to see it three times before it was released at the cinema. Oh, that's cool. Uh, once was an early cut through Sony, because I knew people at Sony. Second was a press review, which mm. is weird, because everyone's... You know, it's kind of dry, so you don't get much out of it then. Yeah, And yeah, the third yeah. time was a massive kind of audience uh, uh, experience, because yeah. they'd all won tickets or whatever. And so there was loads of kids there. And I remember sitting down going, oh, these... Fucking kids are going to ruin this for me. <laughs> but because they were loving it and getting really into it, I kind of was like going, oh, this is amazing. They're enjoying it like I enjoyed it growing up. And so yeah. that made it a really good experience. Yeah, I don't, that, that's, that's why I, mm, I don't want to be like, right, so I don't want to come down too hard on like fans, like our fans like us, like, you know. Yeah. Other, um, but that's one of the things I love about actually seeing all this new stuff. And you're talking about Ghostbusters. We're also talking uh, Star Wars. We're talking Star Trek. We're yeah. talking Thundercats even has a new thing coming out and stuff like that. Yeah. And you know what? Some of it isn't for me. Some of it I go, no, nah, it's not for me. But then it's so nice to see that it gets newer fans in and they get really passionate about it. And then they start to engage with the older stuff. And it's it's, it's really, really cool. I think it's... I think, like, you know, when we were... I think the 80s is when all the... Sort of 70s, 80s, that's when all the sort of geek stuff started coming into the mainstream slightly more. So you had, like, yeah. Star Wars and Star Trek. You had Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, The Goonies, all these things. And you were all, like, then slowly... Um, it became more and more like we we started chipping away. That's what we started doing. We started chipping yeah. away at the mainstream, going, we're here, we're here, all the geeky stuff. And now it's like, well, you're into superheroes. Cool. Here's all the superhero movies. Enjoy them. There's all the superhero movies in the whole world. Yeah, yeah. Here's all the new ones with all the really, you know, but you can also go back and you can go watch the ones from back then as well. And they're yeah. also, you know, and they're also good, but it's fine. You've got these ones as well. And it's like, I think that's really, really cool. And I think it's like, I, I, I just get, it kind of upsets me when people go like, uh, they've remade this thing and it's, it's, as you mentioned earlier, it's ruined my childhood. And I'm like, it hasn't. You can still enjoy the things that you had as a child because they're still out there right and that's the beauty of the internet is that you yeah. can act you can actually go get those things um i saw the other day one of my friends has managed to get his hands on uh the original teenage mutant hero turtle figures from like the 80s <laughs> nice i know I, and like that's that is so cool that you can you can go out and do that and you know what there is a michael bay produced movie out there about uh ninja turtles and you know what I don't particularly like it. However, I know there are loads of kids who do, and that is fine. But also, yeah. there's like, like tens of iterations of Turtles you can choose from now. Exactly, I mean, yeah. There's the CG cartoon, there's mm. the movies, there's the animated show, there's the original animated show, there's the original movies, there's the comic book, the different mm. dot. You know, so it's like, there's that f- format is flexible. That char- Those characters are flexible enough to work yeah. across tones and styles and it's like good someone will fall in love with a particular type of turtle well that's that's why we get these arguments of like which one is better not just turtles but like everything it's like which version is the best and some people like the purists are like it's got to be the first one the one that was the original and then some people are like no but they did this thing like uh thundercats let's take thundercats for example yeah um i love the original thundercats um i've rewatched it as an adult and i've gone do you know what i was a kid when i enjoyed these things yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not fantastic but it's fine as a kid and then they re- they did the sort of anime style version American anime style version uh, a few years ago and I actually enjoyed that a lot more I was like oh my god this is actually there's more coherent story in this there's yeah. a little bit more tension in it it feels a little bit more grown up and now they've released another version which is very kiddie very very like sort of spoofy and stuff like that and I'm like cool that's not for me um, it exists but it's not for me and I can go and enjoy the one that I enjoy you know yeah and is I that, think that's yeah. one of the frustrating things about being a Ghostbusters fan is that I actually think the, the franchise shot itself in the foot and one of the reasons really? why it's struggling is because ultimately it's still too romantically tied to 1984 so mm. it's like how do I eloquently put this as briefly as possible otherwise <laughs> it's going to be a really long podcast Yeah, but 84 iconic right it, mm. it, you could argue to some extent it forged and finally forged the careers of Bill Morley Dan Aykroyd Howard Ramis you know it put yeah. them properly on the stage after a few small but well known films like Stripes and Caddyshack and what 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 whatever yeah um, the the logo the, the Slimer all the Marshmallow the Ecto-1 the Firehouse all these all the iconography that came out of it beautiful right we all fell in love 
fast forward and a few years and the sequel's not been made yet and the cartoon's carrying the extra load so all of a sudden Ghostbusters transforms from this 84 film into a kids franchise specifically yeah. if you go back and watch 84 there's a lot of adult humour in there oh god yeah, a lot yeah of things yeah. that will go over a kid's head but it's colourful enough and bright enough in its places to appeal to kids hmm. anyway Bill Murray here's where we get to it Bill Murray never wanted to make Ghostbusters 2 and he said he would only do Ghostbusters 2 if they could kill him off or really? it was called the death of the Ghostbusters things like that so there was a view of there was an article in Starburst, I think, in '89 when they're talking about Ghostbusters two. And yeah. he goes, "Yeah, I'm coming back, but uh, they might kill me off. But we'll see how it goes." And then that obviously didn't happen because part of the deal that was made when they made Ghostbusters in '84 was they couldn't make a sequel unless Ivan Reitman, Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, and Dan Aykroyd all signed off on a script. Mm. That's where the problem started. So all of a sudden, the success of the franchise, the world building, is now done by a kids show and not mm. the main films. As a result, the 84 film ends up carrying more and more weight. And when Ghostbusters 2 came out, it was simply fine. I know there yeah. are people who love it, but it's a fine film. It's got horrible sequelitis. It follows the first film almost beat for beat. It, there's yeah. no real surprises, and it's just fine. Yeah. And then you get trapped in 84 forever. So when the toys start coming out, there's a million toys of Slimer, a million Marshmallow Man toys different variations on the action figures mm, so mm. what tends to happen from my point of view is that is like this franchise can't grow if you don't grow the world around it yeah and the only thing that was doing that was the cartoon series at that point but by then the audience has gotten older to where they claim it for themselves and they think oh well that i don't want the real ghostbusters world building because that's for when i was a kid i want edgy world building i want <laughs> i want to make my own ghostbusters ecto one or uniform so we start building it inside our heads yeah when Sony turn around and finally start going, we're going to make a new Ghostbusters film. And then for the years of development, the hell that was going through. Because again, Bill Murray hated every single script. Mm. Uh, famously, I don't know if it was true, but he famously cut one script up and sent it back to Dan Aykroyd in a uh, shoebox. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. Uh, and the game came out and he phoned in his recording of that. But Sony are fighting this attitude for years. So of course, mm. at some point, they're going to say, Let's start from scratch. And they brought Paul Fegan, who he just said the reason why he didn't do it as a handover film was because it would be a disservice to his characters to have yeah. them inherit this technology from the men when it could be a, a story about women becoming yeah, you know, their own thing. Great, I get that. But when fans react badly to it, they react badly not because of the core concept of world building and creating a new world, but because they're not getting 84 again. Yeah. And they start kicking back against that. And that's the frustration. It's like IDW, the comic book guys, they've been yeah. doing an amazing series of comic books on Ghostbusters, opening up the world, throwing in loads of characters, different interpretations of Ghostbusters, mm, mm. and that builds the world. So when people say to me, oh, Paul, they're bringing out a new 15-inch Diamond Select Dan Aykroyd figure from Ghostbusters <laughs> 1, I'm like, don't know how many Ghostbusters action figures you want me to have. <laughs> I'm kind of done with it. Give me new. Give me more stories. Give me a bigger world to explore, because that, to me, is what feeds me as a fan, not all the merchandise I'm currently surrounding myself with. Yeah, and yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. It's, it is, because I, I, well, in, you brought up the game very quickly there. I didn't realise that you said, you said he phoned in his performance for that. I I mean, literally, he yeah. did in some cases, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed the game, because again, it was one of those things, it revisited some of the stuff from the old movies and sort of tried to build up a little bit more. And like, what I liked about it is that you played as a new recruit to the Ghostbusters. And that was like, cool. It's like, and you're interesting right. Interesting fact. Interesting yeah. fact. Yeah. In the Wii version of the game, uh, you mm. could play as a female recruit. No other version of the game oh, did that. There you go. Uh, see, I had a PS. I had it on PS3. That's my problem. I should have had it on Wii. No, well, the uh, Wii was, you know, obviously not as good, but at least you could use your Wii remote as a th thrower and catch ghosts. And oh my god! Use the like... nunchuck to throw traps. It actually has lots of things in it that are really good, considering it's not as powerful. Yeah. No, but you know what? I right. We're, we're going to go on a tangent here to consoles for a second. Um, I. Genuinely, I, I the Wii has been one of the best consoles that's ever been made. I I, I absolutely love it. That's it's a not very powerful. Bold statement. Oh no, but but it's not not in terms of power, not in terms of like anything like that. Like if you take the metrics, the standard metrics that people take game gaming by, which is like power and yeah, so on and so forth, like graphical performance and stuff like that. Right? Do you know what the Wii is the worst? It, <laughs> it, the Wii is the worst. However, in terms of like what gaming should be, which is Fun, the Wii, and inclusive. 
and inclusive, yep, the Wii wipes the floor with any other console, right? Uh, bar, yeah, actually, yeah, with any other console. I haven't tried a Switch yet, and I really, really want to, because I think that's the same. Yeah, I, I do but, too. Yeah. One bad. Yeah, exactly. But the Wii, like, even just playing Wii bowling with against someone else was fun. And like, yeah. you could do it straight away. And, like, you mentioned the Ghostbusters game there, and now I wish I'd had the Ghostbusters, because I had all three consoles at the time. And I wish... Oh, get you, Mr. Yeah, Bloody Money Bags. All right, right mate. Yeah. Jesus Yeah, Christ. back... Back when I had money, uh, okay. also known uh-huh. as a, also known as a student loan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so like I, you know, I'd buy different games on different consoles according to what my friends had, according to what I wanted to try. And so like I had like on the Xbox, it was always like uh, Call of Duty and multiplayer online games because they were always best on the xbox i thought yeah uh on my ps3 on my ps3 i had just sort of like um there's like grand theft auto and uh stuff like that games that i like to play by myself and i thought they just worked better on the playstation but on the wii i always got my fun games and it was all like um so like there was always like there's the wii sports obviously that came with it uh and then but it was a the lego series the lego game series was amazing. Yeah, that was like crack cocaine, those games. They're brilliant. Oh. But on the Wii, they were just even better. Because, so you played Lego Star Wars and you had to use the thing as a, basically as a lightsaber. You had to, yeah. um, Lego Indiana Jones, it became the whip. Uh, Lego Harry Potter, it became a wand. It was just like, how infinitely cool is this? Well, that's my other passion, I'd say, though, is I've always been a huge Nintendo fan. Yeah. And for all their many, 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 many flaws, Mm. they do have something that manages to capture that childlike sense of wonder when it comes to gaming. Yeah. And, you know, more often than not, they manage to succeed because, you know, we all have very fond memories of Super Nintendo, Mm. the Game Boy, uh, GoldenEye on the N64. There are people now sharing those stories about the Wii, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of what Nintendo have always done. As much as the other consoles push power and speed and graphics, they also push people away in terms of how they interact. So yeah, you can go online and shoot people with Fortnite or whatever interacting in you know. I mean, on the I, internet. It's always but, nice to play those games and find out who is sleeping with my mum. Yeah, <laughs> right. Good because apparently, judging by Fortnite commentary, quite a lot of people sleep with my mum. <laughs> I don't know where she finds the time. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, you're right. But it's... Nintendo bring everyone into the same room to play, which is what they push with the Switch. Mm. You know, even, so. I mean, re- recently, funnily enough. I had my hands on the Virtual Boy. You know, mm. the Game Boy, the, the Nintendo Virtual Boy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I managed to get my hands on one of those for a digitizer, the oh. show, uh, what we were filming. And it's an interesting thing. It's completely Nintendo all yeah. over it. But it's a fucking ugly thing. It's <laughs> meant to be a portable yep. virtual reality video gaming set. It right. is either portable, virtual <laughs> reality, and it barely has any decent games on it. Really? So, yeah, because oh. they designed it so you'd wear it like a VR headset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's no VR. It's just 3D. And oh, it does no. this 3D by firing lasers at a mirror up and down so you get this kind of sense of depth. It's mm. an interesting process if it works and if you have the right eyes. Yeah, but <laughs> the right eyes. It's in red and black graphically. And so right. you've got your eyes pressed against this viewfinder. It's in yep. red and black. There's a weird 3D sense. And because it's... You can't carry it around on your head because it's too fucking heavy. Yeah. You've got to rest it on a stand on a desk. So it will guarantee to give you a headache on back cramps within 15 oh, minutes no. of playing. But you can see what Nintendo are trying to do. Yeah. They're trying to get people to engage in gaming in a different way. It's just in this instance, it was not good. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, Nintendo, like when they get it right, it's... It's phenomenal. Like, yeah. it, it's brilliant. Like gold, as you, you mentioned, Goldeneye. There, that's still one of the best first-person shooters that's been made, especially the multiplayer. Like, every I mean, it shows its age, but it also shows how far we've come from that. And it's, yeah. it's, it's an important little uh, footnote in history. In terms I was, of FPS. I was at a convention at the beginning of the year, and they had all the classic consoles out, and Goldeneye was there, and I tried it again, and I was like, "This is so hard," but it's because <laughs> yeah, not it's because so it's slow. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, exactly. It's not because it's hard. It's because it's so slow that my reflexes are fast, and like I'm 35, it's like my reflexes shouldn't be as fast. You know that fast. Like, <laughs> they should be fine now, but it's like no, it was really, really slow in comparison to what I'm used to now. But you can see so many of what they were doing there to start off with. 
yeah, so much of my youth was tied to my Game Boy playing Super Mario Land or DuckTales or oh, Tetris. DuckTales! Link's Awakening. Just yeah. these solid gold games that I still think stand up and are still beautiful. Yeah. And I've had every single Game Boy that's come out since. Because really? I love that. Oh, I've got a whole box full of every iteration. Even the very rare Game Boy Pocket that lit up. No I way! Think, yeah, I've got that one. And I've got all the DSs and all yep. the 3DSs because I just love Nintendo's handheld style. Yeah, I my DS was, I uh, I abused that thing. I took it everywhere. I played it constantly. Mario Kart and Guitar Hero. That was basically what I just played on them constantly. On the DS? Yeah, Guitar Hero. And God, the, yeah, because that gives you hand cramp after about eight minutes of play. Yeah, exactly. So my hands were like super built. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, actually. It probably did hone my hand muscles because when you're playing Sweet Home Alabama, and that goes on for eight minutes, and you want to try and get perfect. Yeah, that's a serial. That's a serious wrist killer. Yeah, it's oh my god, it was terribly, it was horrible to play, but it was so much fun. But like yeah. Ma- Mario Kart, man, I got like I, I just lost hours to Mario Kart um, yeah. on the DS. Uh, it's just stupid. I, I, I just got stupid with it. But no, I love, I love the handheld consoles. Um, but it, my reason why I like them so much is that as much as I love gaming consoles, you are stuck in the house. Mm. Whereas at least with a Game Boy or with, with my, t- you know, two DS XL, I can play that anywhere on the train when I'm going into London, yeah. when I'm on the toilet, when I'm in bed, all these p- places I like to play. And do you know what was great about them? I, I, I love them. Right? Is when you bought the game, you bought the game. Like yeah. everything is on that cartridge. So you, you, anything that you could do is on there. Uh, yeah. you don't there's no sort of there's no real there's no downloads there's online play but there's no extra sort of downloads to put onto it um, yeah. and there's not and it's not and it's not, none of this freemium stuff as well where it's like you can get so far but now you have to pay if you really want to go further or, or you can just wait forever and it's just like that's so refreshing to sort of pick up a console like a handheld console like that and I, be like I can I play do this miss game. that yeah. If you're going to pay 40, 50 quid for a game, I'd mm. like to have the whole game on there and not have to yeah. download the rest of it once yeah. I put it into an Xbox. And that's also, I mean, think about future-proofing these games. It's like there are so many coming out now, and so many of them virtually exist online. Hardly any of them exist on your disc that you've yeah. bought it on. It's like how many games are going to get lost to just data crunching, whereas yeah. at least if it's still working... You're still going to get track and field to work on your any. There's still a legacy of games out there that work complete, and I oh, think yeah. there's going to be like a little black hole of gaming at some point where because not everything's going to be backwards compatible, a mm, lot of great mm. games are going to be lost to time. Yeah, and that's that's a real shame. This is why I, I do like that. There's a lot of emulators uh, that you can get online and stuff like that, but it's still not the same experience. You know, it's you. There's something about a console. You know, I I get the whole sort of. PC master race versus console thing and you yeah. know yeah I get it but I, I I there's something about playing on a console that I like and especially um like the N64 was fantastic for it because it was like there's four ports in the front four controllers four friends play around one screen and there's just something I never had four friends oh I had to take mine to school <laughs> we literally we took my we took it to school and we literally had a, we had a TV in our common room um, and I lost an entire day playing Goldeneye once um, to school. I didn't go to a single class because I just played. We, we were we were doing King of the Ring on Goldeneye. Oh uh, yeah, and I didn't get knocked off. Uh, but two of us didn't, so it was like it was like yeah. <laughs> and there I mean, we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Rick's most proud moment in his history. <laughs> Forget all the other achievements I've had. Forget Robert yeah. Picardo. Uh, nothing, me- nothing compares to that one day in school. Just one day of playing Goldeneye and realizing I am gonna fail my exams. <laughs> that, stay in school, kids. You can play Goldeneye all day. Yeah. <laughs> That's the real reason. But now, what was your first console then? Oh, I th- I honestly think because obviously we didn't have a lot of money growing up in my mm. house. Woo, boohoo, violin. But yeah. um, I think I think it was a ma- master system. Oh, okay. So that's yeah. There's your there's and your the track and field reason, reference. <laughs> yeah, the only reason I I know that is because I I was on Games Master mm. early nineties. Yeah, and I somehow managed to get on. And nice. They asked me to train for Duck Hunt. Uh-huh. And I didn't have Duck Hunt. So, <gasps> no. So the Master System had a light gun and it had a game called, I think, Safari Hunt, which is practically the same thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so I learned on that. 
but it doesn't matter because I I, I got I, I lost Games Master oh, on the telly, no. and you can literally see me just about to cry on camera, <gasps> just about to cry on camera before they awkwardly cut away and I walk up away from Dominic Diamond, heartbroken. Oh, mate. Oh, no. I feel heartbroken for <laughs> you. So much heartbreak in your, in your life on game, so about geek stuff. Oh, my God. But that, that must have been a hell of experience when you were a kid going on Games Master. I remember that show. That was amazing, that show. Yeah, Love. it's if, if, if people desperately want to know, it's episode one, epi- no, series one, episode six, with <laughs> Emily Hughes. Mate, uh, I am so... I used watched. to have it on tape for the longest time. My brother taped yeah. over it with a football match. Again, no, I football. hate football. There you go, man. That's it. Like, football But now it's devil. on YouTube for the whole world, the whole world to laugh at. <laughs> I'm still trying to find, because we, again, we had it on, um, when I was growing up, um, do you remember the Disney Club on Sundays? Yeah. Um, <sighs> yep. Filmed and the set, the three sets were a hillside, an oversized attic, and a castle set. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, that was filmed in Edinburgh. Oh, yep. And uh, guess who was on it once? Des. <laughs> yeah, no, me. Oh, oh right. Are yeah. you Scottish? I'm Scottish, mate. Yeah, yeah. I know oh, I don't sound it. You've been keeping that a secret. I've been living. I've, I've been living in England too long that I've lost yeah, the accent. Yeah, <laughs> but I um. I yeah, so I was on the Disney Club. Like I was on one. That's cool. Man. What it was were you doing just like in the background. Yeah, just this, this little kid in the background. Like so, basically, like what happened was like what they would do is they'd go to like um, we're going to invite like schools could apply to be on it, and they'd take entire okay. classes to go on it. But my mum knew the person who did all the like the casting of the kids type thing, oh. yeah, and so like persuaded them to let me and my sister on so me and my sister amongst all these kids that we didn't know um <laughs> but we were on it um and it was awesome uh, and it was brilliant it's such a great experience i remember just but i remember like we had to like it was it was like one of those behind the curtains things like you know when yeah. you, I, I remember watching it as a kid and loving it being obsessed with it but then like actually getting to be on it it was like it, it was kind of cool to see what it was like behind the scenes but it kind of shattered the illusion a wee bit you know like the amount of times we had to run in under the bridge onto the seats to, to be like, and welcome to the Disney club. Yay! And it's like, we did that like seven times. And it was like, Nora. it was just so, it was like, Oh, this is, this is, this is what it's really like. And then it was like, I can't remember who the band were. Um, I'm trying to remember, but they, so they had like the band, like they had the band at the end. And I don't know if you remember. So they also had a band at the For end. For some reason, I'm imagining Ace of Base, but I don't know why. I think it might have been there. Like it was like M people or something, some 90s, yeah. proper 90s band. Dream. Yeah? Hmm? Dream. Yeah. Could only get better. Possibly. <laughs> you know, I can't remember. But what I do remember is that they were like, uh, if you remember the show, so at the end, the band would play out the show and stuff like that. And the backing dancers were always the kids. Oh. And it was always like five or six kids. I was one of them for this band. Get uh, your little groove on. Yeah. And I can't, but for the love of God, because I can't, so we, my mum recorded it um, and then it got taped over later on. I can't, you know, I can't remember what we got taped over with. Uh, wasn't football. Probably dentistry. Dentistry work. I don't know. <laughs> right. But, um, yeah, it was like just this brilliant, brilliant experience. And I remember, oh, do you know what? It will have been in the tailspin days. Remember when it was like, first of all, it was DuckTales. Yeah. Then it was Tailspin. And then it was, what was the one that was after that? Well, um, I, I think it might have been. I can't remember the order, but I think it would have been something like Chippendale Rescue Rangers, then Tailspin. Tailspin came quite late. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. also Gummy Bears as well and Gargoyles, but Gargoyles came quite late, but that was quite popular. Yeah, so. I think it was it was, it was was basically the Tailspin era. That's when I was on the Disney Club. So, yeah, uh, yeah so it was like, I don't know. Well, yeah, it was just like one of those, it was an amazing experience. But Do you have was, the footage? No, that's the thing. I can't find it now. And I can't find it on YouTube. I've tried to find it on YouTube, oh. but then you're, you're listening to this and you've got this copy of Rick uh, dancing his heart away. <laughs> at Disney Club. Please send it in. For, look for the little Asian kid wearing a New York Giants American football jersey. Uh, oh, you adorable! You like little Fred Savage. Yeah, that was oh, it was so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was my that was that was that was my brush with uh, TV. That I I also was the I also applied for the kids' crystal maze. Did you ever apply for that? 
No, I want to do Crystal. I mean, I have done Crystal Maze live, that experience thing. That yeah. That's fun. Yeah. But that was also sobering because I got to do that on a test day because, um, uh, 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 God, my brain's gone blank. But basically, <laughs> I got to test it out, went before they opened it properly. Yeah. And I did the game with the lasers, you know, oh. where you've got to dodge the lasers and get the crystal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, I've got a plan here. I'm going to lie flat on my back and shuffle across the bottom of the floor, dodging uh, all the lasers. Yeah. And it was a good plan until I got halfway through and everyone shouted in my team to stop. And I was like, why? Because my big belly was. Millimeters away from setting off a thing. <laughs> it was so sobering to just look down, tilt my head, and see this great big grizzly gut just about to touch this green laser. So I sucked my gut in oh. and completed that test. Well done, man. Well done. I'm proud of you. But I'm, I'm an old fat man now. <laughs> I am very proud of you for managing that. Uh, I got three crystals in that day. Yeah. That's my finest achievement in life ever. Well, there we go. I, I like it that we managed to find out each of our own finest achievements in life. I should, I, I should yearn for more. Wait, I, I, yeah, I feel like both of us should set our uh, our ambitions higher, but we haven't. <laughs> so uh, that, that's it. We can accept it. Um, so as we're sort of coming, as we're winding down on this, winding down. Winding down. I mean, you know what? It's funny because this this is obviously the Geekatorium uh, was your baby at first. Um, so thank you very much. For yeah, but I put it up for adoption, and you're looking after it really well. So Aww. I just couldn't I couldn't have the time to love it anymore. So Aww. I'm glad you've got it now. <laughs> no, thank you, man. Thank you. And but one of the th- you know as uh, as suggested by yourself, and you know as we do now, and you've I think you've you've heard on the various episodes, um, we've got the Geek Arc. We've kept the Geek Arc. Yep. Um, and we're, it's now turning into a vault because it's getting bigger and bigger. Uh, As I'd expect it would. Yeah, yes. we might turn it into a TARDIS because that'll be easier. Uh, it'll be better for space and it'll be it, a lot cheaper to run as well. Exactly, exactly. Um, so in what you get to do is you get to preserve something, a sort of geek thing uh, that can be put into the ark, preserved for all time. So in generations to come, when they open it up, they can go, oh, okay. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Or or if they're like, oh, what's this thing? Oh, this is what it meant to people. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I like this. So what would you put in there? I'd like to put in the whole YouTube channel of Count Dankula. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't really. Uh, <laughs> oh, so this is when free speech was destroyed. <laughs> Yeah, free speech. Oh. I want to say it, just none of the consequences. Oh, um, my God. Oh, that was hard. No, I thought about this for a while, actually, because I knew Des had put Ecto-1 in, and yeah. I was I was tempted to do the No Ghost logo, because I do think it's iconic. Mm. Um, but I also thought, Paul, you talk about Ghostbusters a lot. Why don't you not do that for a change? <gasps> so I decided I'd go for something that I think is probably more worthy of being put into any geek arc than any other thing I can think of. And that is simply... The Sony Walkman. Oh, my God. Because I think it changed how we interacted with entertainment. Uh, because, uh. obviously, of my dad's era, it was all modular, high-fi yeah. sets. It was yeah. all vinyl and cassette decks and CDs. But the idea of being able to curate your own music, yeah. put it onto a cassette, make that mixtape, and then carry that music around with you on a Walkman, kind of was liberating and fun and different. And I used to I'd go for long walks simply to listen to my C90 Oh, have any other agenda but I do think like, and you watch it in like Back to the Future Marty McFly's got his little you know Walkman on yeah I think it's an incredibly important piece of pop culture yeah uh, uh, gadgetry but also I think it's just a piece of technology as well that needs to be an icon and protected in an arc for future generations there would be no iPod well, without yeah. the Walkman it's, it's exactly what you just said though it's, it, it was it was a it was a shift in the way that we interacted with entertainment. As, it as became you, more intimate and personal. Yeah, exactly. Beforehand, if you wanted to listen to music, it was in one place in the house. And yes, you could plug headphones in so no one else was disturbed. But that was the only place you could do it. But then the Walkman, you could literally, literally go anywhere. And as you, you mentioned there as well, with, with tapes, you could, that's it. You're creating and curating your own experience. Yeah, with adverts. And it, yeah, and it was also it was also like 
you know, the, the magic and, and the artistry of a mixtape. Mm. You know, you knew how many songs you could get on one side. Was it for you? Were you making a mixtape for someone you loved? <laughs> uh, was it to how listen do, to it? How do I tell them I've got a crush on them? How do I tell them? Yeah. What song shall I use? Oh, I need to put Died in Your Arms tonight by Cutting Crew on this. <laughs> I've got to do that at some point. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, what the girl's like, I don't know. I'll, I'll put some Sade uh, uh, on. That's sexy. <laughs> Mom, can I borrow your show day? Yeah, that's amazing. So there's, there was something really joyous about it. And again, I loved... I, I tell you what, I'm going to say this out loud and Go proud. I think I invented podcasting. There, I said <gasps> it. Oh, that's right. Okay, so we've all, this is the second bold claim we've had on this particular podcast. We've had Nintendo <laughs> Wii being the best console, and now you claiming to invent podcasting. How do you claim to have invented podcasting? Because in the mid 90s mm. when i was doing pirate radio stuff yeah. with all my mates yeah, yeah, yeah we would also record the pirate radios onto cassette uh-huh and then i would sell them at school so you'd go and you'd come and buy off me a cassette that had a zone fm yeah Paul Gannon, everyone 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 ever and it would be a mix of games and banter and chat and <laughs> some music as well it was like <laughs> a personal radio you could download to your to your walkman well you know, stick yeah. on a cassette, really. Yeah, yeah. And there you go. You've got your own intimate uh, radio show. Amazing. So, uh, isn't a podcast that? Something you download on a portable device and listen to at your own whim? I invented <laughs> podcasting. There, there I said it. There. 11th of July. Boom. Four minutes past three on 2018. Everybody, what you just heard there was the mic dropping. Uh, yeah. That was... <laughs> I like it. It's like you invented podcast, A slow version of podcasting, but podcasting nonetheless. Exactly. Ta- technology had to catch up with my... <laughs> you were ahead of your time, ahead of your time, man. Ahead of your time. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, man. I think the uh, not 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 about the podcasting. <laughs> oh no, I, I agree with you about the Walkman, though. I I just I think it's so iconic. I remember, like, I didn't have a Sony Walkman myself, but I had like I ended up getting like a a, 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 a portable cassette player, is what the the others were called in the end, weren't they? Yeah. Um, it was my mine was bright green, um, and it was I loved it. I loved it to pieces, and it was like my you know my school bag was always like you know my, my school books were in there, my pencil case, and then about five or six tapes at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, some of them in cases, some of them not in cases, some of the some of the tape out of some of them, so I'd have to put it back in by just winding it up with a pencil and stuff like that. And I absolutely, I loved it. It was like it was my own experience, you know. I mean, I, no one could really afford a good sony one so we used to no. get cheap ones from argos didn't we yeah so we were lucky to have like auto reverse on it if you know if that was splashing oh my out. god auto reverse wow that's or, or dolby uh sound reduction on there that was that was good that was a good woman if you could get that on it oh if you had one of them i mean you were like you know you were a god amongst men amongst yeah. children but then at least. weirdly enough <laughs> i went straight from walkman to mini disc and i don't know why Do I, I jumped but i i love you... my mini disc player you skipped the CD player. That's, yeah. Which, yeah, ironically, CD portable CD players did all the time with the skipping. Uh, yeah. I Because I went, I went from... So I had, like, yeah, as you said, the cheap Argos um, uh, portable cassette player, yeah, as they called it. Uh, but then I did actually get a Sony Discman. Um, so it was like I had, like, this big, huge... Uh, not huge, obviously. It's just the size, just a, a little wee bit bigger than a... Uh, than a CD, but I had one of them, and it was like it has skip protection, which was like it's supposed to never skip. And then, but then, what would I do as a kid? I would hit it hard to see if it would skip, and what would happen? <laughs> it would destroy it. <laughs> so, yeah, of course. Yeah, because you know, I wanted to prove it could skip. It wouldn't skip, so I punched it. That was not, and I that was not. And like, what you've done there is you've proven that force. Yeah, can only be destructive. <laughs> ah, there you go. I love it. But you went to you went to. You went to mini disc. Everything about a mini disc, I love the design of it, the weight in the hand, the size mm. of the mini discs themselves, the fact you can get hours of music on there as well. I mean, that was the first for me, like edging towards an iPod. And I also had a high def mini disc player, which means uh. one disc had, and get this, one gig of space on it. <gasps> what? And back in the day, that was crazy full talk. That was like but, two albums. <laughs> and yeah, and I found it in storage a week ago. And yeah. I was like, oh, does it work? I wonder if it still works. I've not turned it on in maybe, like, I don't know, 15 years. Yeah. Worked like a charm. No way. <laughs> and I found all these mini discs with really rare stuff of like me and my mate uh, Gem talking from like the mid 2000s, utter bollocks and mixtapes and rare wow. comedy clips that I'd lost. And 
like Peter Cook and a whole mini disc full of the May White House experience. So I've just been bang, wallop, listened to that on my speakers all week. That's it's great. brilliant. I, I, I agree. I think it, um, I got a mini disc player and I absolutely loved it. Because do you know what? Like, portable CD player was good, but like transporting CDs was bulky. And also, um, if you didn't have... What it lacked was... Um, unless you had like a computer that could read and write CDs. Yeah. It was difficult to create your own CDs. Like you could create your own tapes with your own playlists and mix, mix oh, yeah. tapes, yeah? And the mini disc kind of brought that back. Yeah, the mini disc was a great little kind of halfway house between the versatility of cassette and then the kind of Quality. variety and yeah. breadth of, of of having an iPod and things yeah. like that. Yeah, it just yeah. came out at the wrong time. It did. It was like, a, I mean, the thing is, it was more, it was, there was a myth that it was a failure of a, of a machine, but actually it was reasonably successful in Europe and Japan. It just wasn't mm. big in America. Yeah. But they did release some albums for it. But because yeah. mini-disc players were reasonably expensive, and so were the albums, um, yeah. it wasn't going to catch on. But if you were a journalist, mm. uh, mini-disc players were great because they were the perfect in-the-field recording system. Right. So you could take and record hours and hours of footage, and they were really easy to edit on the fly as well if you needed to. So in some respects, if you're a bit of an audiophile, or a reporter, you could probably get more out of it than someone who just liked collecting music. Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah, mini disc. It's good. I and also, you know what? I'll always remember about the mini disc because that introduced me to the band Reef. Do you remember the advert? Put your hands yeah. on. Put your hands on. <laughs> and it was on. literally just that advert. And then I remember yeah. going out and going, "Oh, I'm gonna buy their album. I bet you the rest of the album's as good as this one song." Yes, it wasn't though. <laughs> yeah, it really wasn't. And an occasion, and because I bought it once, like, and you know, I ripped all the music into iTunes, so I put it onto my iPod. The album yeah. is still there, and very occasionally it will just pop up. in when I put my play, when I put my songs on random, like all songs on random, occasionally a song from that album will pop up while I'm listening to it, and my reaction straight away is fast forward. <laughs> oh really? Because <laughs> yeah. I found an MP3 player, like an old weird Samsung one, uh. in a box. And I plugged it in, and I just thought, I'll put it on shuffle and go for a walk around town with it. Oh. And I did. And apparently, when I put that mini disc, uh, not mini disc, when I put that MP3 together, I yeah. was a big fan of The Feeling, because there were so many Feeling albums. <laughs> I didn't know I ever liked them. That's but apparently amazing. I have two of their albums. On I it, like so. it. It's a, it's a window to your past here. That's, it that's... really weirdly is as well. It's like, oh, The Feeling, interesting. And apparently, I liked the, what was the other bloody band that surprised me that I was like, oh, yeah, The Hoosiers. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, my apparently, I like God, them. The Hoosiers. Yeah. Remember them? Yeah. Goodbye, Mr. A. Wow. That one, yeah, they great. were a throwback. Well, Paul, I think we, yep, the 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 uh, walk, Sony Walkman goes firmly into the arc, preserved good. for all time. I think that's a really good addition. I like, I like it. As you say, Mark, you brought up Mar Marty McFly, um, and he's probably the most iconic person to have had it. Like, yeah. but I always remember it. Um, what's his face? Uh, Data from the Goonies when he had it. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, but he had it plugged into little speakers that he carried as well, so he could play like the India, like the James Bond theme and stuff like that when he was doing stuff. That's was, right. That was awesome, and that's when I, that's that was that was the use of the Walkman that I loved the most. <laughs> because it's just like here's a little Asian kid who creates all these little gadgets, and like I, you know, I'm like I, you know, I'm part Filipino. I'm looking at this kid going, "Look, that's me." And <laughs> I could be like him, but I don't have a Walkman. <laughs> Nor do I have a belt that conceals a punching glove. <laughs> I, 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 a whole punching glove. How? How does he do it? Like it was. Yeah. Hides it away for most of the bloody film. It's brilliant. I loved it. I love that film and I love that kid. And I totally agree that the Walkman goes into the arc. Um, Bold statement number three. Monster Squad's better than Goonies. There, I said oh, that as well. Oh, that was it. We finished the podcast on a one last <laughs> bold statement. I'm not even going to give you a chance to do... Um, it's fine. It stands by itself. Just stand, it just stands by itself. You. Um, before we go, do you, do you want to plug all your various things? Because you yeah. are a very busy man. Go for I it. do everything these you days. You do. So, uh, ongoing concern is my uh, podcast Cheap Show, where me and my co-host, co-host, even <laughs> co-host Eli Silverman. God, it's, yeah. it's I'm so tired. Um, we go about the charity shops and bargain bins of Great Britain. We find things to play with and eat and test, and we make a podcast out of it. We just crossed half a million downloads. For I it, saw which is that. Amazing. That's brilliant. Congratulations. Yeah, and it's going. We're doing really well, so it's going. It's a it's a lovely little podcast, and if you want to subscribe to it, just go to any podcast app, anything you like, yeah. and just type in Cheap Show. I wholeheartedly agree with that. It is a great podcast, so go listen to that. 
I mean, fundamentally, it's a show about two guys reviewing things they find in bargain bins, but ultimately, it's two guys having a nervous breakdown on a weekly basis. Brilliant. Uh, shouting and raging at each other impotently into the dark. <laughs> so there's that. And that's what a podcast is. Isn't it? Yeah. More white guys talking stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then the other thing I have a weekly concern is a YouTube channel called Barsians. I produce it. It stars Stuart Ashen and Barry Lewis, two big YouTubers of their own accord, who get together and weekly we do silly things men in the middle age shouldn't do. <laughs> that's fun. So you can look at Barsians on YouTube. And finally, coming out at the end of the year, we've just finished filming the series of it, uh, Digitizer the Show, a video games, retro video game show based on the Teletext Digitizer page of the same name love it hosted by uh paul rose aka mr biffo who yeah. wrote those pages back in the day it was a crowdfunded thing amazing. we just recorded six episodes it was a full-on week <sighs> it's going to be very very amazing and very very disturbing some of the things i saw last week no <laughs> man should see I, how will people be able to watch that it'll be on youtube actually i think um, it will be shown weekly on, uh, on youtube probably sometime End of September, beginning of October, mm. um, and the, and if you know your retro gaming, there are some amazing guests on there as well coming up. We've got a uh, uh, Chris O'Neill, okay, no Steve O'Neill, yeah, from Eight Go Eight Bit. Oh yeah, 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 yep. Yeah. We had him. We had Imran Yusuf. We had brilliant uh, Bad Boy Barry from yeah. Games World. Uh, oh God, who else do we have? Loads of bloody people, loads of guests, loads of famous YouTubers as well. So brilliant. That's it. So there you go. Cheap show Barsians and coming later in the year, Digitizer. Oh, check. That's enough. Definitely. I do enough, frankly. That's awesome, man. Well, everyone should go check that out. I'll put links to stuff. If you send me links over, I'll put them all in the um, the show notes and stuff cool, like man. that. Can do. But thank you so much, Paul. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, it, darling. Oh, have a lovely day. Thank you. I will. I will. I'm going back to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>